This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, President Putin and the Chinese Communist Party leader, President Xi Jinping, are meeting in Moscow. It's a three-day meeting. There are talks about also a phone call between uh, Xi and Zelensky, the Ukrainian president. But as we are recording on Tuesday, we don't have any news of that yet. But uh, what is happening in this visit, but also what's happening in Russia and around Vladimir Putin is of continuing interest. And it's a pleasure to welcome uh, Dmitry Ilovsky to the stand. Dmitry has been guiding us from a Russian perspective throughout this conflict, and we're very grateful and happy every time uh, we get to talk to him. He is a presenter and chief editor of the YouTube channel Kordakovsky.live. Before that, Dmitry was former deputy editor-in-chief for TV Rain in Moscow, but TV Rain was taken off air uh, by Putin because they were doing their job uh, as journalists. And Dmitry left, went to Lithuania, and is now working freely as a journalist. Dmitry, it's good to talk to you again, and we're very grateful to you for joining us. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Hi. Now, these talks between uh, Xi and uh, Putin... When you see, when we see the images, I'm sure you've seen them. It's very much the man and the boy. In other words, she looks confident and comfortable. Putin looks almost deferential and small. Is that your impression or is it just me? Um, I think I agree with you, but uh, we know that they still have uh, very good relations uh, between yes. uh, between them, and they call each other friend uh, and uh, comrade, and etc. etc. Uh, so I think that really these talks are quite important uh, for both sides. But uh, definitely, uh, Russian position is, um, I guess, more weak than uh, Chinese one because Russia is indeed uh, for some. Uh, uh, new arms for uh, financial support for technologies and i know that uh, china and its leader she uh, they still have um, 
uh, some plans about uh, Russian territories, about Russian resources. And we know that uh, China is a very uh, difficult partner for negotiations. And we will never know uh, what exactly was yes. today on the uh, table to discuss and what will be the real uh, outcomes. But we all, actually, we already know that, for instance, like uh, some years ago, uh, Moscow and Beijing signed a uh, gas agreement. Yes. And uh, Russia started to sell gas to China. So everybody was treating it like a very important uh, issue and very important agreement. Uh, but we know that Russia is selling gas to uh, China with unbelievable discount, something around 70%, I believe. So I guess the outcome of these talks and of this meeting would not be mm, very much profitable for Russian part, but it will be definitely good for Chinese. Yes, and... It appears that the Russian economy is holding up okay, despite the sanctions that were imposed and have continued to be imposed by the European Union, British, Americans, and everyone else. They, the Russian economy actually, actually this year will fare better than the British economy. British are the only major nation below Russia in the growth this year. So I wonder what your sense is of how the people, the Russian people, are feeling now about the war. I saw a woman interviewed last night on British television on Channel 4. It was a vox pop on the street and the presenter asked her about the latest horror, which is the abduction of children and some adults as well taken from Ukraine, taken to somewhere remote, and also, of course, a war crime. And it was put to the woman, the Russian woman on the street, uh, that he was indicted, and the International Criminal Court were seeking to arrest Putin, and she was asked what she thought about it. And she said, with a, a smile, I don't care. It was a remarkable, mm -hmm. she was kind of phlegmatic. She didn't care. Mm -hmm. She said, that's, you know, so what? Would that be a fair representation of the mood of the Russian people? That's quite peculiar indeed. I believe that uh, the attitude to the war uh, is rather different between uh, uh, between different uh, uh, people in Russia. Because I think that uh, in uh, big cities such as uh, Moscow, St. Petersburg, Yekaterinburg, uh, people don't feel war that much, but uh, they they really don't care and they try to live their own life. Yes. Uh, they I think they still see the impact of sanctions, but it's not um, that terrible and that uh, vast as um, as West uh, thought it should be. Yes. Uh, but still, it it it, it, it still it exists. And, uh, you know, from my perspective, um, these economical sanctions are something like a dish, a meal that has to be uh, served cold. So we have to wait a little yes. bit for it to, to cool down and uh, we'll see what's going on. But the other attitude to the war and to the special military operation, as they call it in Russia, as you might know, uh, is different in, in small towns and villages because mainly uh, soldiers are recruited not from Moscow or St. Peter. They are taken from that small towns, from villages and uh, from the places 
where uh, less than 1,000 uh, uh, 1,100 people live and I believe that uh, people in that towns they do feel that the war is taking more and more people and uh, that the uh, funerals are happening almost every day there uh, so I am almost sure that they do believe and uh, they, the, 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 the third part which is actually very important is Russian southern regions and uh, uh, um, Crimea, which was annexed uh, by uh, Putin uh, in 2014, because um, uh, that region, such as Belgorod, Kursk, Crimea, as I said, Voronezh region, they are now suffering from almost uh, everyday attacks by uh, Ukrainian drones. Uh, there are not so many casualties uh, for, for now, but still, they, they it still happens. And uh, people now understand that they live somewhere uh, not very far from the front line, somewhere where the battles happen every day, and somewhere where people are dying every day. So this is this is quite quite important, I guess. Uh, the other day, Putin visited Mariupol and Crimea. Mariupol, of course, is remembered as a city that no longer exists except in in the ruins. And it was a spectacular demolition job by General Armageddon, who may not be around anymore. I'm not sure where he is. But Ger General Sergei Sorovakin, is he still in the, in the battle or has he been moved to one side? Uh, well, we've seen uh, Putin visiting uh, Rostov on Don city, uh, which is uh, situated uh, not far from the Ukrainian border and uh, where the military headquarters is now. And uh, he's been speaking to General Gerasimov, who is now in charge of the Russian war in Ukraine. And uh, we've seen actually Mr. Sorovikin, uh, General uh, Armageddon there. Yes. Uh, so he was nearby. He's not taken off completely. Uh, but I don't think that... Um, Neither uh, Surovikin nor uh, Gerasimov are making any important decisions these days uh, in terms of war in Ukraine. I guess uh, it's uh, still directed um, from Moscow, from Kremlin, but um, it would be um, it, it it wouldn't be um, Putin's style to take off military commanders uh, midst the war, like yes. something like it's still going on. So it's not time to do some. Uh, to do some human resources management. Uh, right. We have to see that people till the end of the war, till, till the victory is put in things, but uh, till, till it's complete failure, as, uh, as I suppose. Uh, so, yeah, uh, those two guys still exist and they, they, they still um, report to Putin. Now, Prigozhin, he is the leader, I believe, of the Wagner Group. Uh, this is a, a military a paramilitary group. They recruit in the prisons. They are, uh, many of them, very good fighters, effective fighters. Prigozhin, is he close to Putin? Or did I read that he had been critical of Putin? Uh, he's critical to Ministry of uh, Defense. Right. He cannot be critical to Putin because uh, um, everything he has Mm, he is. He has to be grateful to Putin himself. Yes. You know, uh, Prigozhin was uh, his cook, his chief, uh, for some time, and after that, he helped uh, to bring uh, Putin's money to offshores. And uh, afterwards, uh, he was appointed as the head of private military company Wagner, 
but uh, which which is let me be fair uh, they are pretty good at work they yes. are better than um, Russian uh, defense ministry yes but they do have uh, some serious troubles in communication with defense minister uh, Shoigu and uh, they have a huge lack of armory, uh, of um, uh, missiles, uh, and uh, uh, they really suffer about it. And so Prigozhin, uh, he almost every day posts some like new texts or audio messages uh, in his um, social networks where he's begging for help, where he's begging for new armory for new missiles. And uh, he's quite popular, I guess, in uh, in Russia. You know, he was... Um, um, he was uh, traveling th- through Russian prisons uh, to take yes. prisoners to to the front line to to the war. Um, that was so successful that the defense ministry decided that they should actually uh, do that. They should uh, apply uh, that uh, scheme, and they has forbidden Prigozhin uh, to draft people from the prisons. So now it's Shoigu who takes care of the prisoners and takes them to the war. Uh, but um, we know that uh, Prigozhin has recently opened a number of recruitment centers in Russia. Right. In big cities, it's about like 40 different cities and towns. Uh, so now he's looking for uh, volunteers. And uh, I've read today that um, in the nearest future, he will draft like a new 30,000 uh, men to the war to Ukraine. Now, the, the casualties that we read, there has been an estimate that Russia has lost uh, maybe 200,000 fighters, Ukraine maybe 60 or 70,000. And I remember at the time of the Soviet Union and their involvement in Afghanistan that I think they lost 10,000. And it, it, it was said that the mothers of these soldiers were the ones who made the most pro- protest, and many people believe that led to the downfall of the Soviet Union. Do you give that story any credibility? And where are the mothers of the 200,000 military personnel who have been uh, lost in this conflict? Uh, well, let's make it very clear that uh, if we say lost, it doesn't mean uh, dead. It means uh, wounded or died. And right. uh, to continue, I think that there is a huge difference between war in Afghanistan and uh, war in Ukraine. Yes. Uh, because, first of all, uh, many Russian people, the vast majority actually, still think that uh, this is a war against fascism, against yes. Nazis who uh, are trying to conquer Russia. And they yes. don't actually care very much. There are no evidences uh, about it, but they still believe that... Um, the West has occupied, Nazi West has occupied already Ukraine, and they are uh, already at the borders with Russia. And uh, if uh, Putin wouldn't start the war back in um, uh, February last year, uh, then Russia would be conquered by by some like mythical right. uh, Nazis and fascists. Uh, so they treat this war as a, a great war as uh, something th- which is very similar to the war against the Nazis uh, in the middle of last century. So that's why they don't protest. They still um, believe that their sons, their husbands, their brothers died um, in, um, um, in a great and in yes. some sort of fair 
uh, against conquerors. So the only information the Russian people get from journalism, from television, is the state television channel, which is full of people who are pro the special military operation or the conflict and pro Putin. And they are churning out this propaganda night after night. Uh, and we have seen the, the, the pictures of it, the images of it, and they're pretty fierce looking presenters. Mm -hmm. uh, fair enough, because, uh, yes, propaganda is the only view of uh, this war. Um, I mean, Russian people, they are not bloodthirsty, they are not cruel, they are not evil, and um, they actually, um, it's, um, I, I know it's uh, hard to believe these days, but um, they don't differ too much from any other European nation. Yes. But uh, they still live uh, in a huge empire. Uh, and they still mm, believe to propaganda. They do, don't, they, unfortunately, they don't have any critical thinking because of, uh, because of Soviet Union, actually, I guess, because they lived in, for, for hundreds of years uh, in Soviet Union in totalitarian dictatorship, uh, where all the critical thinking was forbidden. So afterwards, there was a short decade. Uh, which was very tough and uh, which was uh, very difficult for many Russians because it was a, a very fast jump and very fast transfer to a uh, liberal world. Yeah, this, that was the, the Yeltsin years, yes? Yes, exactly, yes. And uh, people just didn't know how to live in that new world. So not many, uh, not not everyone actually, uh, could find a way out. Yes. And uh, afterwards, uh, in the beginning of um, Nordi's uh, Putin came up, and uh, what he started actually is, was uh, rebuilding Soviet Union uh, very slowly, but uh, brick after brick. And yes. so uh, we are where we are now. And where is this special military operation going? The fighting at the moment, as we understand it, is around Bakhmut. Now, Bakhmut means nothing because it's just a shell, isn't it? Why are yeah. they? Why are they fighting both sides? Uh, is it just for morale? This is a very good question, actually. And uh, I don't think anybody can answer it right now because uh, nobody knows about uh, real purposes of this war. First of all, uh, there was some talks about denazification, demilitarization, de-Ukrainization of the country. Um, I haven't heard these words for months to be fair. Yes. So we do not know where it's going. And I don't think that um, it really bothers people in uh, Putin's administration because they are very much aimed these days not to the uh, goal, mm, not to some result, but to the process itself. Yes. Uh, the process means everything. Yes. And stopping this process at any stage uh, would mean uh, crisis to Russia and crisis to Putin. Yeah, I, I mean, he seems to be in a position... Uh, Dimitri, where he can't enter negotiations, as people are saying, there has to be negotiations at the end of every conflict, which is, uh, I suppose, true up to a point. But Zelensky really can't go into negotiations either, unless he gets, for example, uh, Crimea back and all what he claims to be Ukrainian territory. So when you sort of think about it and your friends and you talk, how does this end? What do you come up with? Uh, it could 
and only uh, by complete um, defeat of uh, Putin's uh, army in, in uh, Ukraine. And uh, I, for instance, let's um, imagine a scenario when um, uh, everything goes to the uh, situation which we had on 23rd of February uh, 2022. Yes. Um, it will not uh, be that way. It cannot keep on going that way. Yes. Because uh, the Putin's army will face uh, guerrilla wars, partisans, and uh, to never end up. So I think the only the only way is that Ukraine goes back to its borders of 1991, including the whole Donbass region and yes. the whole Crimea. I'm actually pretty much worried that uh, Ukraine uh, army can go further to Russia, and uh, you know it, it it might happen. And they might uh, go to some southern regions uh, of Rostov-on-Don, of uh, Belgorod, which uh, sometime, I believe, in the 19th century were parts of uh, Ukraine. Definitely they will be interested in um, staging a new government in Moscow. And uh, that's what uh, actually uh, bothers uh, me and uh, my friends and uh, many experts with which I uh, talk about this issue. Uh, but uh, the only, I, 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 once again, the only end of this war could be only the uh, restoring and restoration of, of, of Ukraine in the borders of uh, 1991. Yes, and I think the West is worried about uh, this aspect of Zelensky, that he will want too much, mm -hmm. uh, that he won't know when to stop. That's why they're not giving him some of the ultra weaponry that he, uh, you know, that could reach into Russia. That's why, whilst people admire him in the West, there is a sense that he might ask for too much and he might push it too far. I don't agree with you about that. I think that West doesn't want to make uh, Putin angry uh, by uh, right. supplying some really modern and really uh, uh, far-going and far-distance far distance. Yes missiles and uh, guns you know, but what we see now and what bothers me uh, uh, more is that um, uh, definitely Ukrainian army is uh, using drones uh, to fight some Russian territories and yes. um, sometimes they go deep to the country even to not far to Moscow region but um, the thing is that uh, Ukrainian spokesperson never admitted they yes. always say it's not Ukraine, it's not our deed. We don't want to fight on the territory of Russia. We don't, um, we don't uh, do drone attacks uh, to the Russian territory. And that might be like some uh, Russian partisans. Yes, I mean there are no Russian partisans who can uh, who can uh, plot a drone attack on Russian territory. I mean it's impossible. It's uh, it's it's it sounds really strange. So what we see now is that Ukraine is. Um, Using uh, and using in a very good and smart way, uh, Russian rhetoric, because you remember that um, in the year of 2014 there was a Russian mantra saying um, uh, it's not us, uh, we are not there. Yes, uh, that's it's not right. Our yes. boys. Yeah. And so this is what uh, Kiev is saying nowadays, right. uh, like repeating one one in one that words. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The future for your generation, Dimitri, and your generation's view of a post-Putin Russia, is there any concept of a Russia post-Vladimir Putin? Or is he there for as long as he likes? Uh, he will be gone sooner or later. And, uh, you know, last week there was uh, uh, St. Patrick's holiday. And yes. um, we've been celebrating it uh, as well in Vilnius. And I've been speaking to my friends who were um, having a good time, drinking beer. And I told uh, one of them that um, we are... Uh, I told one of them about our conversation with you. And yes. uh, you said once that uh, you should think about uh, Russians maybe in terms of um, Irish immigration. And I think that that's, this concept, this idea is yes. uh, very helpful and very vital because uh, now many Russians have left the country, yes. but uh, one day we'll still be back and yes. we we'll all will have uh, an opportunity to be back and we we'll all will have a chance uh, to build a new country, uh, which can be uh, part of um, European country, European Union, European yes. continent. But of course, and only after uh, admitting responsibility for all the actions of uh, Putin and uh, his army in Ukraine. What about Medvedev, who was president when Putin had to take some time out because of the constitution? Of course, Putin came back. Uh, Medvedev has been making noises too about nuclear attacks on Britain, for example. I is is he just a kind of stooge? Well, you know there are rumors that he's uh, uh, drinking heavily, like right. really heavily. 
Yeah. And uh, that uh, he is uh, trying to uh, be even more mean that, than right. the Russian propaganda. I don't think we should uh, treat him uh, seriously because okay. it looks like he's writing his posts on uh, Twitter and on Telegram yes. only for uh, one person. I know this this sort of um, this sort of uh, writing uh, social posts is like is called uh, gasping when you do yes. something only for one person and he's gasping only for right. Vladimir Putin, so okay. he might be doing only notes um, in, on, on from from his hand and pass them over to Putin, but he's doing that uh, to the multi-million audience. I don't know why, but uh, anyway, he's a clown. Uh, just let me ask you a final question, Dmitry, about the atmosphere around Putin, the people who are around Putin, and the mood of those people if this next phase of the war goes badly. How will they react? Are they all committed to Putin, or would he be in danger if the next phase of this conflict goes badly. I'm talking about the next four, three, four months. Um, it uh, depends on um, how it will go, definitely. Um, but anyway, um, there was a meeting uh, between Putin and Russian business society, business community, uh, yes. last week. And uh, we saw many people there, uh, many oligarchs, many businessmen, many people actually who do run the country, who do run the business, who have yes. uh, millions of jobs and uh, millions of uh, money on their bank accounts. But we actually, mm, mm, we didn't see some of them very, very important people uh, that uh, were usually around Putin, that were mm, helping him. Yes. So uh, we can definitely say that uh, some oligarchs are turning back from him but uh, there is still a long way to go and uh, but 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 on the other hand i believe that people are getting used to live in, in yes. a situation of war and uh, they do understand that it may take a very long time and they it looks like they are ready for it okay a final i'm asking you to make a judgment call or even a guess an educated guess how long will this conflict last, in your view, Dmitry? Uh, I don't think I can answer this question. No, I, I, it's not a fair question. Let, yeah. uh, let me ask, ask it another way. Mm -hmm. If you, do, you know, do you ever have a bet in the casino? Mm -hmm. right. yeah, yeah. Suppose you go to the casino and there's three bets. Mm -hmm. Short war, medium war, long war and you oh. have your you have all your money <laughs> you take it out of the bank where would you put the money well i have to ask you what what do you mean by uh, short uh, well, okay long. short means it ends this year medium means mm -hmm. it ends 12 months from now mm -hmm. and long means it goes on for years um, I'm such a bad gambler, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should well, have another Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me put it that way. I believe that uh, this year uh, will be uh, the most important for the war. Uh, right. This year we'll, mm, we'll see uh, who will win by, by, by the end of this year. Um, I'm not sure that the war will end up. Uh, 
but uh, it depends on whether West will be still eager and uh, will still supply arms and uh, missiles and uh, money yes. to Ukraine uh, from the other hand, from one hand. But from the other hand, it depends on whether Putin will be able uh, to build up his uh, resources to get some help from Asian countries and um, whether he will be um, able to uh, get a new mobilization. Uh, so um, these two factors are crucial. And uh, I think that um, maybe this summer there will be the uh, most important battles. And uh, before the next winter, we will see how the how and when uh, the world went, I guess so. Okay, Dimitri, that's very interesting. And it's always good to talk to you. I'm glad Thank you, you I'm glad you celebrated St. Patrick's Day. Uh, <laughs> we certainly did here. And uh, let's hope, please God, that this is all over in Patrick's Day next year. Thank you very much for joining us. Dmitry Alovsky is a very brave uh, Russian journalist. He's out of the country now, living in Lithuania. He is the presenter and chief editor of a YouTube channel called Kordakovsky.live. Kordakovsky, of course, is one of, is one very brave man who stood up uh, to uh, Vladimir Putin. We're grateful to Dimitri. We wish him well and be safe. To all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.